Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not a fan of horror movies. There's something about bodily dismemberment and human cruelty that I don't find fun. But I I will admit that you can persuade me to go and see a horror movie on the big screen. Not because bodily dismemberment and human cruelty are better when they're larger than life, but because there's something about seeing a horror movie in a theater that makes it strangely fun. It shouldn't be just any theater. It it needs to be a theater that is crowded. And it shouldn't just be any crowd. It needs to be a crowd that is rowdy. And so you find a theater during the opening night, late at night, because the real fun of the horror film is the way in which the people who are sitting around you interact with the story that's happening on the screen. So on the screen, you see a young woman, late at night, in her house, in the dark, alone, and she hears what sound like footsteps on the gravel outside. And she hears what sounds like the scraping metal of a knife. So she turns on the light. She goes down the stairs. She puts her hand on the doorknob, and right as she's about to open it, somebody three rows back says, You idiot! Don't open the door! They're going to kill you! (laughs) It's that voice... That voice of the people around you that makes you have fun in the midst of fear. Now, what does that have to do with chapel this morning? (laughs) I mean, after all, Halloween is over. Thanksgiving has passed. And our world is already rushing into the holidays, including Christmas. But we've come here today to be the church in the midst of a world that's celebrating holidays. And we do that by listening to Jesus. This morning, Jesus tells us a parable that brings all of the celebrations of our world to a halt. Jesus tells us a parable that lets us know that the world is not an endless series of holidays. There will be a year when you celebrate your last Thanksgiving. There is an end to life as you know it. There is a day when Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. And Jesus tells us that story, and that story to me is a lot like a horror movie. There on the big screen, you have bodily dismemberment. You have what to us looks like the body of Christ. Ten virgins, all carrying lamps, all waiting for the bridegroom, all falling asleep, all being awakened, all trying to light their lamps, and he comes and divides them, rips them apart into the wise and the foolish. And you have divine cruelty as this bridegroom shuts the door. And even when people stand and say, Lord, Lord, open for us. He says, I do not know you. That's frightening. 
And I'd like to take some time this morning to to think about this parable, not because it's fun, but because that's what it means to be faithful. Being faithful means listening to Jesus, even when he says some of the most horrifying things. So let's listen to this parable this morning with the goal that we remain faithful even in the midst of fear. Now, I'll admit, on on first glance, the parable doesn't necessarily seem that horrifying. After all, there's a lot of material there to distract us, and we're pretty good at picking through the popcorn while horrible stuff is happening on the screen. You think about the the stuff that's there to distract you. I mean, after all, are these virgins or are they bridesmaids? And, And why are there ten of them? And why are they evenly divided into five wise and five foolish? And what is it that they really are carrying? Are these torches or are they lamps? And why do they need lamps anyway? What is the bridal custom in first century Palestine? And, And while we're at it, would you really be able to find a merchant selling oil in the middle of the night? And what is this oil? Is this the Holy Spirit? Is it grace? Is it works? Is it faith? These are all of the things that are there to discuss. Distract us. And a lot of people, a lot of people have burned the midnight oil trying to figure out all of these things. But I tell you that they are all distractions. In my opinion, you can spend all of your time trying to figure that out, and if you do, you will miss the gleam of the knife. And when you come to that door with your lamp, you just might find somebody who looks like somebody you never knew. That's what's so frightening about this parable is the way it pictures Jesus. You know, earlier in Matthew, Jesus says, suppose a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away. Now, wouldn't that man leave those 99 on the hillside and go out and find that one that had wandered? That's what Jesus says earlier in Matthew, but that's not what happens here. The bridegroom comes, five, not one, five of the virgins have wandered. They're wandering off into the dark trying to find a merchant sell oil. The bridegroom comes and what does he do? He doesn't leave the five wise there at the door, go out into the world in the dark to find the foolish. No, he gathers the wise in and he shuts the door. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus had said, ask and you will receive. Seek. And you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. But that's not what happens here. Those foolish virgins ask. They ask the wise to share their oil and they do not receive. The wise say, go buy some for yourselves. And they seek. They go out looking for that merchant selling oil, but they come back only to find that it's too late. And they knock. They knock on that door. Lord, Lord, open for us, but the door is not opened. The bridegroom says, I do not know you. Here we have a Jesus who is not seeking those who are lost, who is not opening the door, who is not inviting everybody in, who's not bringing in the blind and the lame and the poor so that the banquet hall may be filled. He's shutting the door. 
He's dividing the world into the wise and the foolish. He's taking the wise into the foolish. He says, I don't know you. That's frightening. That's the horror of this parable. Why? Why would Jesus say something like that? There's a short story writer uh, by the name of Flannery O'Connor. And she was writing about her art of fiction. And she talks about the violence of grace. When she's describing her short stories, she says, I have to make my vision known by shock. I have to make my vision known by shock. To those who are hard of hearing, I shout. And to those who are almost blind, I draw large and awkward, startling figures. And that's what she does. In her writing, she writes a story of a family of six traveling down to Florida for a vacation. They all end up shot dead by the side of the road. She writes of a traveling salesman, a Bible salesman, who walks away with an artificial leg in his suitcase, leaving behind an amputee abandoned in the hayloft of a barn. She writes of a 62-year-old woman who's finally graduating, and as she walks across the stage, she passes the corpse of her grandfather in a wheelchair. She shocks people with violence. And she says, I find that violence has a strange way of returning my characters to reality and preparing them to receive their moment of grace. Spiritual shock therapy, if you will. The violence returns people to reality and prepares them for a moment of grace. That's what I think Jesus is doing in this parable. He's returning us to reality, and he's preparing us for a moment of grace. Think about it. He knows that it's difficult to watch when you don't know the hour. He knows that it's difficult to watch in a world that is filled with a fool's God. Think about how difficult it is to be a Christian, a faithful believer, a disciple in this world, because our world gives you plenty of gods to follow. And perhaps the most deceptive one is our world's God of a God who is always loving. Not loving in the way we know God to be in Jesus, but loving in a different way. A God who is always tolerant. A God who is always accepting. A God who loves you just the way you are. A God who will always receive you, always love you, always open the door. A God of the open door. A God of the second chance. When God shuts one door, he opens another. And if he shuts both doors, he opens a window. That's the God our world offers to you. And Jesus comes in to shock you with a vision of a different God. He doesn't want you holding on to that God, thinking you are prepared, because you're not. And so he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There is an end. 
There is a judgment, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Sin is sin and worthy of damnation. Foolishness is foolishness and will cause you to be ejected from the kingdom. And when God shuts the door on that final day, God shuts the door. He shocks you into reality. The reality of what it means to come before God who judges the living and the dead. But he does it to prepare you for a moment of grace. Remember how I said it's great to watch a a horror film in a theater? Because while you're watching the story on the screen, you hear those voices around you? Well, the same thing happens with this story. I don't know, did you hear it? When the parable was read, did you hear that voice in the midst of us? I'm not talking about uh, Gibbs uh, yelling at the foolish virgins to bring more oil. <laughs> no, it's a different voice. Actually, it's a voice that's much more, much more familiar. When the bridesmaids or the foolish virgins knock and say, Lord, Lord, open, the bridegroom says, truly, truly, I say unto you, I do not know you. Truly, truly, I say unto you. When the bridegroom says that up on the screen, we hear the voice of somebody who's in our midst because that's the way that Jesus talks. He does it all throughout Matthew. In the Sermon on the Mount, truly, truly, I say unto you, when he interrupts the healing to talk about the centurion's faith, truly, truly, I say unto you, when he sends the disciples out in mission, when he explains the parables to the disciples, when he explains the, uh, the, the, the second coming of the Son of Man, when he talks about his miracles, when he teaches the crowds about John the Baptizer again and again and again and again, at least 30 times in the Gospel, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say unto to you. And when we hear that word on the screen, all of a sudden when we see our future, Jesus brings us into our present. The one who is coming to judge the living and the dead is the same one who's here with us, teaching, healing, saying, truly, truly, I say unto you. The one who has the power to say, I do not know you, is the same one who uses that power to come and know you even in your sin. God the Father sent this Jesus into a world that would reject him. Jesus came to people who would not know him. Even though his disciples would betray him, deny him, and fall away, Jesus still came to know them. Even though we, in our sin, by nature would kill him, Jesus still comes to know us. To know us in our sin, to know us as enemies of God. And when he comes, and when we kill him, he rises from the dead. So that those who did not know him, now can know him. As their Savior, as their God, who comes to bring them into the kingdom of heaven. The one who will come is the same one who came. And the very one who is even here now coming to you.
preparing you for a moment of grace. This morning, at his table, inviting you to receive his body and blood. And there is the reality of the violence of grace. The reality of our sin that would crucify our Savior. And the reality of God's love that gives his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you see that, you are are led to fear. But not a, a fear like you have at a horror film. No, this is a fear of the Lord. It's a a holy awe that comes here today and confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords, King of kings, and will come to judge the living and the dead. And even that Jesus is also my Savior and comes now to forgive me of my sins. And when you have those things and you hold them together, you have the fear of the Lord. And you are faithful in the midst of fear. So Jesus shocks us into reality this morning. He leads us into the fear of the Lord. And that's a good thing. Because the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. Standing here this morning among the wise, saying the one who will judge me most truly is the very one who loves me most fully. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.